<laughs> All right. Hey guys, this is Alan and Leon. Welcome to episode 13 of Seize the Moment podcast. And today we have two very special guests. We got Ray Kump and Lucy Steiner, both stand-ups, and they have a podcast called Our Love is Disgusting. Hey, hey guys, that was a nice intro. Thank you. Thank you. It took us some time to perform. Hold on, start over. Oh, we got <laughs> We got we got to start over. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we got to record. Yeah. Uh, Silly ass. So I think our first question has to be your name, the name of your podcast. How did you guys come up with it? Our love is disgusting. I mean, look at us. We're animals and we fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we're um, we're heinous uh, human beings. I mean, Lucy's very attractive. Don't, don't sell yourself short. You got a great body. Oh, thank um, you. I, I love, love your body. I love eating you out. Yeah, um, I like sucking that cock, man. Thank you, baby. Yeah, but we we it, what was the discussion? We get a lot of pleasure out of each other's bodies. It's really not the second. Like, we don't do shit stuff in bed, but uh, we do like to when one of us has to take a shit, mm-hmm. we like start cuddling and go, "Oh, you gotta take a shit, baby. Oh, you gotta take a shit," <laughs> and we snuggle about it, and we just yeah, it's very cute. But, we're also uh, just slobs. I mean, it's like you might notice we have all this like uh, camera equipment in the background. Uh-huh. We didn't set up any of it for this recording. <laughs> I didn't think it was worth it for this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as long as, you, but you guys aren't disgusting to each other. No, no, we're not. I mean, and I got a great cop, so I'm not like you know universally <laughs> repulsive. Yeah. But uh, it's more like just the way we'll just slobber on each other like we're 19 yeah. in the middle of a bar while people are trying to get their <laughs> people are trying to get food and we're just fingering each other under the bar. Actually, I've done that a few times, haven't I? I just fingered you under the bar. Yeah, I mean that's happened. Like, people like know what's going on, but they don't say anything. <laughs> that's happened. Did they ever ask questions? I, I honestly, no. I don't even think about it at the time. But then yeah. afterwards, it's like, yeah, that's that was probably illegal, what we just did. Yeah, I mean, they smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's that smell yeah. in the bar? I mean, her vagina can... smells great, but, you know, it's always going to have a certain odor when you, you know, start jiggling sure. around down there. I can smell your sex. That's where that line comes from. <laughs> yeah, you know, because uh, he, well, he was fiddling with her bits. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are you guys? You guys think some kind of self-help thing? What is this? Yeah. What are we on here? Well, well, I mean, yeah, we do like a, like a self-help kind of like mental health co- uh, podcast. I mean, like from our end, when we started, we were just like, yo, let's let's help people. Uh, let's talk about, you know, like how your mind works, how like how uh, how how we think, like why do we think the way that we do uh, try to like kind of break down like all these different perspectives, try to get people to think in different ways. Right. So like set in your ways. So do you like sell your own protein powder? Is that how this works? <laughs> <laughs> you guys, do, are you guys sponsored by Alpha Brain? <laughs> yeah, we're, spo- we're sponsored by Onnit. Aubrey Marcus is uh, <laughs> our dude. <laughs> we created our own workout routines, you know, mental health stuff. We know Joe Rogan. But... I invented the flashlight and the key to unlocking your brain. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah, that's legit. What he, I don't know if you know that. He well, started out with, oh, with the flashlight. Yeah, yeah, that I actually know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That part I knew. That was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yo, actually, I was wondering, like, how'd you guys get into comedy? Um. I mean, there's literally no bar for getting into yeah. comedy. That's true. Oh, you can just call yourself a comedian? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone does. You oh, can. Okay. <laughs> this is like, I mean, look, you, you start showing up at open mics and you just. You don't have to get funny. You just don't stop coming, and they call you a comedian. Yeah. Uh, there's like ten people who make money, and uh, good for them. Yeah. And then uh, you know, it's just there is no. Yeah, you start like literally. It's like you know, when I started. There was a few less open mics, maybe, but you know, there was at least ten a night probably throughout the city. Mm. Uh, and they're just you know, it's not like if you're not familiar with open mic comedy, it's not like other places. I mean, I don't know where your listeners are from. 
but in some parts of the country, I've been told that open mics actually get audiences mm-hmm. and they're like fun to go to. Mm-hmm. But uh, and you know, in the city, it's just you know a bunch of idiots in the back of a bar. Yeah, uh, it's just a bunch of like uh, people jockeying for a spot on a comedy show that's happening in a laundromat somewhere. Mm-hmm. But people actually yeah. do that. They do stand up at laundromats. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, doesn't be proud of it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So was that what it was like for you guys when you started out? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're describing our, our experiences here. We're not, I'm, I'm, I didn't read this in a book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what do you guys do? Do you guys like just show up to an open mic, or like, do you have to like talk to anybody and kind of like, you know, know someone to get in? Or no, just... it's it's an open mic. You just go and sign, like, put your name on a piece of paper, and maybe buy a drink if they make you. But you know, wow. And then if you're funny enough that other shitty comics think you're funny that you know that they like they'll put you on their shitty show and then maybe you get on better shows and then like you know it's a whole fucking thing you spend 10 years uh wasting your life and then you know maybe you get a an opportunity to make 60 grand a year yeah uh it's a big gamble to say the least (laughs) it's a gamble both it's a it's a it's a professional gamble and it's an emotional gamble because uh, odds are you will turn out to be like 50 years old and yeah. have no like human connections in your life. You don't have a family because you never started one because you're just doing these open mics. I'm surprised more of them don't take their own lives. <laughs> uh, you know, it just seems like a better option sometimes. Yeah. Do you guys know? Uh, so anyway, not- it's really fun and great is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Do we know who? You know, like uh, Rich Voss and Bonnie McFarlane, or like you heard of them before? Yeah, I've met Rich. Oh and, yeah, uh, sure. I met both of them. I, actually, I, I had we had Bonnie on uh, our podcast, uh, to me and my husband, Tim Dillon's podcast. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, yeah, I met her. Yeah, they they count. Like they kind of you know have a family and they're like doing the whole. I mean, yeah, I get it. Yeah, they're way older now, so. Like, I could see that. But, like, they kind of make it work, right? Oh, well, I guess, yeah, the alternative is to form a deep relationship with someone and then exploit that for the public, which is what we do, kind of. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I talk about, you know, how I uh, will sometimes clean Lucy. What was I doing before? We shouldn't talk about that. We'll see it for our podcast. Clean me. Oh, wait, can we get an exclusive? Do you want to talk about that? I talk about what? I was stretching out. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was, uh, Lucy wanted me to pop her back because uh, I, I had a, like a crick in one of my joints. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so I started. You know, I, I'm a big guy, so I start, <laughs> I pick her up and I like kind of you know you do the thing where you kind of put the pressure on her on her lower back as you lift her. Yeah. And she starts farting like crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and squeeze all the gas. And her out. back is still stiff, so it was like you were. It, it's almost like Can you were, be, Yeah. It's almost like you were burping me, but like in reverse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can we be famous now? Yeah, please. Have we, have we debased ourselves enough? <laughs> Give us something. <laughs> when did you guys start your podcast? When did that idea come up? Um, it's relatively new. Yeah, we it? started in what, like March or April? Oh, yeah, wow, yeah. Oh, we started oh, at the same time. Oh, wow. nice. Oh, that's so, awesome. Kismet. Yeah, I, well, I really assume for whatever reason that you guys have had it for much longer. I mean, I no, I mean we've been together for you know a couple of years. Yeah, and we talked about it, but uh, we were too busy probably just you know grinding our dicks together to. Yeah. Uh, so how'd you guys come up with the idea? Because it's really niche. I think we just be we well. I mean, a common thing for us to do is just go to a bar and like spend literally like, four or five hours drinking whiskey and like arguing really intensely with each other about something we don't really disagree on yeah but like really like like I'll, it'd be some kind of like minute 
thing about like feminism. Oh that, yeah, like, sure. I lose. I won't go the full. Do you remember any of them? Well, I mean, like we'll we'll do these like weird, these like a kind of like very particular, obscure debates about things, and then like, but also we'll like talk about. I, I think we just realized we talk about like us as a couple in a way that not a lot of couples seem to for whatever reason. It's right. like we'll just actively talk about like you know having a baby and stuff. And what oh yeah, like. we we're just at, we were just at a dinner with my parents at Peter Luger for my dad's 60th uh, yeah. birthday, uh-huh. and uh, I just blurred out. Well, I, even, I wasn't even trying to be funny or anything. I'm like, hey, we're not pre- you're not pregnant or nothing, but we we're thinking about baby names and. Uh, <laughs> I started asking my dad about his uncle Hunzi, because uh, <laughs> I want to name our kid Hunzi, uh, which I think we landed. There's it a boy, it's Hunzi, right? Oh yeah, totally. And it's a girl, it's Hunzer or something. Or? Yeah, it's Hunzi A if it's a girl. Yeah, Hunzier. but uh, but I think my brother's girlfriend got mad at us, mm-hmm. uh, low key. I'm not sure. I mean, um, yeah, because just like you know. But people uh, do have that reaction of like you guys just like talk about this. Isn't that like a little intense to talk about? Yeah, because like, we like if we leave each other or whatever, you know, yeah. if we start like, taking another cock, it's fine. Right. I'm not fine, but I'll be devastated. But, but you'd be uh, okay with it. No, I, I I might do something. But I can but, sleep with it. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but you know, just the, the consequences are you know what they are. Uh, but the point is, is that like you know, what am I gonna not talk about marrying you though? Like we're gonna get married someday. Right. It's, I, I don't. don't see, what are you gonna sue me? I don't see what the point is in making it like a surprise that you're in love with someone yeah. like three years down the line when you propose to them. Or yeah, it's gross, right? Yeah, it's like it, it, the people who I never understand people who are like, well, I can't tell if he's gonna. If he's planning to to propose, it's like it's like so. You guys just like hide this information from each other, like, and like I think like, these rings are expensive, right? And like you're yeah. living together, especially nowadays. Sure. And like so, I imagine it'd be like, oh, here's I got this ring. Like, oh, is this why you weren't like chipping in for the seamless for the past six months? It's <laughs> <laughs> just fucking bizarre to me. Yeah. And I can imagine, the, I guess, the major reason why you guys connect with your audience is because you're willing to be so vulnerable and authentic about your lives, and especially your relationship. Sure, and uh, they also, it's hot. It sounds, it's just, we, we talk about, I think in the first episode, we talk about why would you, why you wouldn't piss on me. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then that night, we ended up pissing on each other. Uh, <laughs> or you pissed on me, I don't think I pissed on you. <laughs> And uh, and then we had so episode two. So you get to follow along in our and how our descending. We start doing drugs together, like hard drugs. Oh, totally. That yeah, would be awesome. You ever think she, Lucy doesn't do cocaine? I mean, I'm not a, you know either a coke guy, but mm-hmm. I'm not the guy going, "Hey, why don't you take her to?" But <laughs> but you know, <laughs> but she's got like a vehement like I will. But I, I kind of feel like that's what we need for the podcast, babe. Oh yeah. So you should convince me. It could be almost like watching like a. A tragic movie like Blue Valentine or whatever, in, in real time. Yeah, or like Fast and Nancy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to be clear, it's Fast and Nancy, not Fast and Nancy. But yeah, but it, it, yeah, that was an interesting debate too because we got into the minutia of like why exactly I wouldn't piss on him. Yeah. And and it was like, for me, it was not a thing, a disgust thing. It was more like, I was like, I I want to have it like a month in advance on the calendar. Yeah, you want to pencil in a fucking date. I want like... to pencil in like, this is the piss day. You don't want to surprise piss. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, no, I want you to do it spontaneously. <laughs> well, it's like, I don't, because like, 
I don't need piss. I'm not a piss fiend, right? I'm not like piss fiend. I'm not like the day of gonna be like watching you going like, oh, you got asparagus, and like you know, I'll enjoy that later. No, I just like it's just in the moment. We're just two fucking creatures getting filthy, yeah. and like why? And like, yeah, why don't you take a look? You got piss through my mouth. Yeah, it's fine. And so I, I want that primal. Like, I don't even need you to do it, but I want, if it's going to happen, I want it to just be raw and dirty. Yeah. Which it was that night. You said, hey, you want to piss? And I'm like, all right, cool. And went to the fucking the bathtub. It was great. Yeah, we ended up doing it. And actually, yeah, it went, that one went your way. Yeah. Yeah. Was I, it I won. <laughs> was the spontaneity what made it? Was, did it make it better? The what? Did the spontaneity make it better? I mean, I, I don't. We, we didn't do a scheduled one, so I can't compare it. But oh, yeah, I think, no, yeah, but it's weird if you schedule it, right? No, I, well now I kind of want to try it scheduled. Now let's try it scheduled. Yeah, let's let, let's fucking get a. <laughs> we, we should do a live stream, put it like a Patreon thing. Oh, live stream! <laughs> oh yeah, my yeah. god! Yeah, it's good. That's genius. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if somebody like you know pays you on Patreon, then they get access to that video. You get to pick the food you're gonna eat. <laughs> yeah. They get to, you know, you get to, <laughs> the amount of the exact amount of water. The exact amount of mayonnaise you eat. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Why does mayonnaise change the quality? Of- it's got to do something. It's, it's got to make it cre- <laughs> creamier on some yeah. level. Yeah, like a like a fucking uh, like a creamsicle. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. Baby. But yeah. You know, I wanted to ask you guys. Um, did any like com- like specific comedian or comedians kind of get you into comedy? I mean, I always loved George Carlin. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, I loved, you know... Sinbad? Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, House Guest is a great movie. Yeah, that was um, Yeah, I, I was obsessed with uh, Louis C.K., and that turned out great, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, interesting? Uh, just actually on that topic, uh, I think... I'm not sure... Like, a lot of people debate whether or not he could have, you, like, a comeback. You think they had a comeback, is what you're saying? Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, something like that. But also, what's your opinion? I mean, I disagree. But. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was on Skankfest actually recently. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, appearance there, and like the crowd went wild. Like according to like all the stuff I heard, and you know, it's it's. I mean, in the media, he's not doing so well, but like. You know, when you actually go to a show, like, and he's there, people go crazy. Well, I I mean, look. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like, well, it's like, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. And it's like, you're not going to, like, that's not going to go away because of this. I mean, the the thing is, it's like, I actually, uh, I feel like people, like, the way they try to separate the art from the artist is sometimes weird. Like, where, where they'll be like, Either he's a great comedian and therefore he shouldn't be punished for this or, uh, you know, or like he should be punished for this and therefore we should forget about the fact that he was a great comedian. Like, so I saw a white power chant at, at Skankfest. So, I mean, I don't know if there's a best barometer for what, you know, Louisa. I mean, it was, it was I think it was telling cheek. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it was telling cheek, but you know, I mean, the point is that these, these aren't the people who are going to be, you know, lambasting. Hey, get him off the stage! <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's the same argument with Michael Jackson. I mean, I think you can still enjoy the music without actually liking the person in particular. Especially uh, since he's dead now. It's like, yeah. let it go. Yeah, I mean, well, you, <laughs> Lucy, Lucy just went through a weird out thing. Was Louis dead? No, no, uh, Michael Jackson. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Weird Al, uh, you saw last night. He wouldn't do the Michael Jackson song. Yeah, I went to see a Weird Al concert, which was uh, very fun. She didn't plan it. Someone had an extra ticket. She's yeah. not a Weird Al fan. Like, she's not a fangirl. I, I don't go deep on Weird Al, but, you know, uh, 
he's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also very reputation pristine. Yeah. Weird That's Al's true. reputation. Yeah, he's careful. Yeah. And he would play careful. Michael Jackson. He, he has a song called Eat It, for example. Yeah, which yeah, I, I, I like yeah. that parody. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's also, it was fat. I'm fat. I'm fat. You, you know, know it. it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like he won't do uh, Michael Jackson parodies anymore. No. Apparently because of this documentary, which I don't really get because it's like, we've been making jokes about like Michael Jackson pedophile jokes in this culture now for like, what, 10, 15 40 years? years? Yeah, <laughs> 40 years. Since he was a kid. <laughs> the, thing is, <laughs> the thing is, it's so much harder now because obviously these people have come forth and like actually told their stories. No, They're fuck like, that. Fuck that. We all knew. I mean, this is my opinion. No, I hear you. I, I hear you. My opinion is, like, I knew. Mm-hmm. You should have known. Yeah. All these fucking, all you fucking dorks watching Hulu or whatever it's on yeah. and going, oh, now we know. Like, how much do you need to believe victims and to believe someone's a predator? Yeah, it's, it's not. Fucking retar- it's fucking retarded. Ridiculous. It's not really like now we know. It's like now our plausible deniability has been completely removed <laughs> as as a culture. Who the like, fuck builds an amusement park in the bed? Like just yeah. stop. He, he, we knew we had kids in the bed. We knew like this whole thing about the Jesus juice with the wine and the can. Oh, but we didn't know for sure. Go oh, fuck yourselves. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. like you letting kids get raped. Same thing with the Catholic Church. This whole country just loves fucking kids. Yeah. And it yeah. Was, and it's interesting because there's still people that defend him and Bill Cosby still. Well, Cosby, oh, you know, I, I get, I get Cosby. Cosby's kind of hard to defend. No, is, is he? It's very hard to. I'd say very hard to. He's literally in jail. He's chilling in jail right now. Yeah. Yeah, and there are literally still people who would defend the both of them. It's not like defending R. Kelly. Yeah, that well, and again, so to speak to the Louis thing, and I'm not making a case one way or the other per se, but like, but the idea that you know when he shows, he's a very famous person, right. and with fans of com- and, and so if comedy fans, if he pops in on them, yeah, the, the average person doesn't have like you know any kind of moral integrity. He's not going to be like, "Ooh, <laughs> yeah. get away from me, you fucking legend." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it's debatable. I mean, look, should he be uh, never be able to do comedy again? I, that's Lucy's uh, decision. Well, well, it's she like gets to decide. what? I'm, 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 I'm letting you decide that. Oh, oh, uh, I get to decide <laughs> when he comes back. Yeah. No, you oh, can wow. literally affect the rest of the trajectory of his career. That is on this shot. That's a lot of responsibility. Imagine if you were the person, like the sole person, who got to decide when everyone was was redeemed. <laughs> so well, I, I, I would just be. I would just be. Harvey Weinstein. That's what Harvey Weinstein was. Yeah. <laughs> Why did he just fuck everyone? That's actually a really good question, Lucy, since you are a comedian. What do you think? You think Louis deserves another shot? I mean, look, uh, to me, the issue is more that there's no infrastructure for, like, dealing with... Part, part of the reason, like, this whole... It, get, it gets, like, prosecuted in the press so much, and it gets prosecuted by public opinion mm-hmm. when, like, a sexual misconduct happens is because... There's no reliable, like, you know, like, uh, uh, infrastructure for, like, punishing those guys in court, right? So there's no, like, there's no system. I mean, laws? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the laws don't do anything. Right. Like the well, law- the cops don't do anything. The, the cops don't do anything. The laws aren't, aren't enforced. And, like, when they are enforced, it's like, you know, the criminal justice system doesn't exactly rehabilitate people. So it's like, it, it's kind of like, it's been, the responsibility for it has been shifted to the public. So it's like, which is not necessarily fair, because it's like, then everybody has their own idea of when they want to see this guy again. It's like, for me, if he started doing stand-up at this point, especially if he like made some gesture, like if he did like a big donation to like, I don't know, like 
you know, uh, uh, rain the Federalist Society, the Federalist Society <laughs> to the Ayn Rand Institute. <laughs> that, then he's redeemed. No, like, but if he like made some big donation to Rain or something, and then he was like, you know, and and he demonstrated some personal change, then it's like me personally, I don't have a problem with him doing stand up again. But it's like, I can't decide that for clubs. And like, there might be some other person who's like, was traumatized by the same thing he did, who never wants to see him again. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's kind of the kind, it's the kind of thing you can't regulate. Well, it's it's kind of, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, put people in jail when they do crimes. Yeah. Um, and if enough people, you know, the, the, pro- the problem in this country is that no one cares about rape. You know, the right. people don't care about rape. That's why no one cares about enforcing rape, except for women. Which is like what half the population, whatever. Yeah. Point is, they, but even they, they're not vocal enough. So it's like, yeah. if you're gonna, like, you know, so this person's want to see him. Well, don't go. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, don't pop in. Maybe if you're if you're a committed sex uh, offender, or whatever you want to call it, a, a, a serial jerker, uh, maybe don't <laughs> pop in on shows on an ass. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It's like maybe you kind of lost the credence to like to just drop in on people, yeah. but. Um, uh, but again, it's like it's the kind of thing that it's just going to be hard to like regulate because right. it's the public isn't like a monolithic thing. It's like yeah. right. Yeah. So it's like you know, no one's going to decide. I mean, but yeah. yeah, he should even like I, I think because like, we talked about this before. I think Lucy's like I, he's rich, he's, he's famous, he's going to get a, a slap in the wrist. But you still want the slap in the wrist. You I, want I the, would like to see. I would rather see him get the slap on the wrist of like a fine and required community service. Than uh, see this kind of vague public, you know, debate over him yeah. and like where he belongs in society. Because to me, it's like that's a vague thing that just like lasts forever, and nobody ever gets real satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. If we were able to see him in front of a judge, going like, because you admitted to this and you did this, like here's what you have to do. Here, here's the contract you're going to fulfill to get to re-enter society. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to satisfy everyone, but it's like, it's more that's how, yeah, it's like, yeah, because what he did, he like, he, look, it wasn't, I think you'd agree, you don't like the, equi- the equivocations or whatever, but he did, it wasn't as bad as Cosby. No, of course not. And Cosby, no, yeah. one's, no one's asking Cosby, when's Cosby going to come back? Well, he's in jail, so he's not coming back. Yeah. And the point is like, you know, because it is a minor thing, sure, he, he's not going to be as, but yeah, have something, have society say, this wasn't chill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it speaks to the bigger issue of abuse of power. And I mean, it's interesting because even if, let's say, as a public, we couldn't stop, obviously, Kavanaugh from getting confirmed. And literally, right. this is a public body. Yeah, with him, it would be much harder. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah it's a, well, that, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like we can't even, uh, y- yeah, like real rapists still have power. So it's like, you know. I mean, me and Scoot were spiking a punch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I do wonder what kind of effect public shaming would have, though. I mean, I, I mean, I would hope it had some sort of effect on him. Yeah, I would hope so too. I mean, honestly, he's lost, he's lost a lot of money. Let's not forget. I'm not saying yeah. it makes a difference, but like, it's it's yeah. not just shaming. He's lost, you know, huge contracts, and like some people go, "Well, he'll get them back." I don't know about that. I mean, he, he's been tainted for years, so it's not just the shame. Like, it, there is an economic 
effect here. And yeah, he should also be, you know, this should be a criminal thing. But, you know, he's lost millions of dollars. Yeah, he was literally uh, about to come out with a movie around right. the time that that news came out. And then he couldn't release it. And that was yeah. money down the drain, for example. Like, yeah. to your right. point. Yeah. I mean, his show, yeah, all the things true. he produced, they took, removed him as a producer for all that effect shit. Yeah, that's um, another way of doing it is that you have, like, an economic consequence of doing this kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, to me, it's like, I'm kind of, I'm all, I've always been like, somewhat skeptical of relying on that because it's like then then the punishment for something objectively bad is just like at the whims of the of capitalism kind of it's yeah. like you know it, it i mean it, you know maybe i don't know maybe maybe that is the most effective thing i mean in, run, in but, general i yeah. do think that capitalism is a lot more effective than most things yeah people shit on it as far as human rights and there is downsides but oftentimes it is the rising tide that you know raises people up and eventually drowns them. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, the sort of—I mean, obviously, I don't know what an alternative would look like. But the downside to capitalism, and this obviously respect of Louis C.K. is that, like, obviously, short-term profits are what matter. So if they could get them into the clubs and they could get people to come and buy tickets, they're, these owners—they won't care. These club owners will not care. That's yeah, it's like you can't really expect them to be motivated by anything else, honestly. Well, like, yeah, well the one thing you say about the Soviet Union is no one abused their power, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One can argue that that was a bastardization of Marxism. Uh, yeah, you show me the pure one, I'll, I'll jump right on. Okay, Castro? <laughs> Fucking Pinochet? Who are we, who are we doing here? Pinochet! 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 Wrong dictator, man. Way wrong dictator. Where, who am I thinking of? There's a bunch of them. <laughs> Chavez, who's the good one? Where's the good Marxism? Uh, it, it existed for three years in Europe. And, uh, it existed for three months on a, in a European commune, and it was oh, yeah. beautiful. What's the thing? All this, fact, I mean, that's again an economics thing, but like all this Scandinavian social that we talk about, mm. it's all like the free market. It's free market capitalism yeah. with a safety net, which is like. But, Important, but like right, it's but not. It's not at all socialism. No, no, definitely. But what progressives argue for in this country is definitely for that system. So even though we call it socialism, technically that's a misnomer. Nobody really wants government-owned production, like in terms of government right. Owned, yeah, in, infrastructure rather of production. Yeah, but they also the the few problems. One is that one of the reasons it works is because at first they weren't utilizing. They were kind of being more controlling, and you know. Part of what makes the Scandinavian system work is that they exploit Western capital markets, you know, effectively and smartly to invest these pension funds, which just because of scale, the United States can't do. It's like we're the ones running the capital markets. We can't, you know, we're the ones making these exploitable, you know, huge problems that they're able to kind of, you know, capitalize on. Uh, so I mean, I would say as far as like cost effectiveness, I, I don't know if it's gonna if we could really make a Scandinavian model work in that sense. But but your feeling, at least the way I've always interpreted you, is like your your feeling is kind of like let's just do it anyway because America is collapsing. Well, look, we're spending seven hundred billion dollars a year or more on the military just for you know weapons we don't even need just to pump up a fucking you know a minority of uh, businessmen who fucking you know just start wars at whims and like you know and. It's trillions of dollars in debt. Yeah, why not? Yeah, give someone the fucking some fucking oxycodone. What do I care? Yeah, right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Healthcare, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I, honestly, that's kind of how I feel in part about like like I do think that uh, you know there. <laughs> I have a weird, borderline nihilistic view of the Me Too movement in the sense that it's like, yeah, do I see excesses here and there? I do. But it's kind of like the main reason I'm on board with it at this point is that it's like, I, I don't, 
I don't think that like women's rights in general is like a guarantee or that it's like it's gonna stay around. So it's like, yeah, if you if you can if you can get the dial to turn a little bit towards like recognizing rape victims or something, great, do it. Because it's like honestly, all of this might be rolled back in the next ten years. Yeah, so just have at it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna cut my cock off in my sleep? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> Like, I don't know if Me Too is right, but I just want to see a cock get cut off. That's all I need. We need a win. <laughs> so what makes it so easy for you to get for you guys to be vulnerable on your show? Because, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to talk about and do what you guys do. I think it's a lack of respect for other people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Not a lack care. of like, self-respect? No, I, I, I'm fine with myself. I okay. just feel like, I, like oh, this guy's going to know that I fucking... Uh, I leave streak marks on my underwear. I don't give a shit. I don't, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you Warren Buffett? Fuck yourself. <laughs> we we've passed the chrysalis as far as like people's personal lives being exposed. Anyway, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it's like, you know, it's like the government has all our nudes, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we might as well. well. It's not just nudes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are we doing? We're nudes. Yeah. It's out there. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You guys want to see it? No. I mean, (laughs) at one point... (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, Ray and I, we're both sexual beings, Mm -hmm. uh, as everyone is on some level. I'm thinking right now. (laughs) 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 But, like, you know, I've talked about on the show... It's actually, it's cathartic sometimes, because, like, I've talked on the show about a... You know, it's like I used to do like a webcam stuff like back in the. Oh, I forgot about that chat roulette. Back in the, back in college, yeah, just because it was like I kind of like the 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 exhibitionism of it. Right. And it's like that stuff. I'm like I'm I'm totally aware that it's like that stuff is out there, and it's like it might come back around. I'm probably protected on some level just by the sheer volume. Yeah, some of, guys got like a hard drive. Yeah. With like. Like a, a terabyte, and somewhere in that terabyte, yeah. his little college age Lucy just furiously jerking <laughs> off her clit. Like, you like that? You like that? And some yeah. like Samoan guy or uh, ten other guys in a room at the same time. Yeah. And, like, and he wasn't even looking at Lucy. He was like, you know, looking at the ten different cocks. And Lucy's Lucy was just in a room full of ten guys jerking each other off, and like showing them her clit, and they're all like, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever, and like look at the cocks. <laughs> it's all it's all owned by some digital hoarder somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, and it, it, it's a, you know, it's like, I, that's why it's like, on some level, I feel protected just because there's so much shit out there. Yeah. But it's like, uh, you doing know. Shit, like, you're doing shit stuff. <laughs> yes, there's people doing shit stuff. Nice. And, uh, and so it's like, but, but there's always a chance it could come back around. So it's like. I'm, we, should it, do a pro- we should do a, a fucking promotion. If you could find a chat roulette Lucy, <laughs> we give you something. We like a, you know, uh, we let oh, you fuck yeah, us. Oh yeah, like a reward system. You can fuck us both. Together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then kill us. Yeah, well, we might as well die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you can find this, you can fuck us and kill us. Yeah. All right, guys, you heard this. <laughs> that's the best, that's the best, we should do a little documentary on that. Oh yeah, totally. Like, where's Waldo? What, 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 what sexual thing does Waldo sound like? Uh. Where's Clit? <laughs> uh, you're you're so you're a wizard with words, baby. Uh, <laughs> What's so cool is that it doesn't sound like you're ashamed of any of it. Well, exactly. It's like it's kind of like at this point, there's something freeing about the culture being so dirty because it's like at this point, it's like it's not like pretending it didn't happen or or, or feeling shame about it is gonna protect me from it. So it's like you know. 
it, it's not like uh, you know I'm living in a culture where you have to like put on an air of virginity. So we have an so, ex, we have we have an ex president who's saying, "Hey, yeah. I was on the pedophile's plane, private plane, but I didn't go to his child fuck island." <laughs> yeah. And like that's just chill. But like, so right. we're gonna be ashamed that she's jerking off on a yeah. fucking you know, <laughs> a roulette wheel or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Were you talking about, like, Epstein? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know that Clinton was, Clinton, like, Clinton was on his, you know about that yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that all of them claim sort of ignorance in both cases. And Clinton there. Well, Trump, obviously, but Clinton, too. But, yo, but oh, do you think, like, if, if you're a president, you have to deal with, like, across the spectrum, like, either some of the, like, the best people in the world and some of the most evil people in the world? No, you don't. No? What? You don't have to. What are you talking kinda, about? Kind of. Like, wait, at least if you're trying to do the whole talking with them thing to figure what stuff you, out. What, what, what was Epstein helping them figure out? He was a scam <laughs> artist. What are you talking about? <laughs> he, was a, he, he, was, he was a guy who, like, scammed Wall Street and fucked kids. What, what, what was he doing for Clinton? No, I mean, I mean it's, it is true, though. I'm assuming he was a big He donor. wasn't Yasser Arafat. <laughs> If you're talking about Assad or that something, that might be someone you have to talk to. But I'm assuming uh, he was which, a big Which one was Assad again? What, from, from Syria? Yeah. Yeah, all right, but, like, the difference between sitting down negotiating with Syria and, like, getting on a private plane of a pedophile for no reason. Right. Like, get your million dollars from so go, go, go start a website and get a million dollars that way. Yeah, that wasn't him presidenting. That was just recreation. Yeah, we, you guys are actually, come on, don't, do, do, don't, don't go fucking stumping for a pedophile. You're better than this. Oh, <laughs> just so everyone knows, no, that's oh, not that's what's so happening. Funny. That's so funny. Just in case. Yeah, I don't think anybody would think that. Uh, Watch us in the news, like, podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is great. Yeah. pedophilia in a disturbing new recording. Look, you gotta negotiate with pedophiles. You can't just, like, you know, uh, close the door on them. You gotta talk to them in fair, uh, in good faith. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of something called open discourse? <laughs> <laughs> heard about an open, an open asshole. <laughs> Let's talk much, much like a little boy's asshole, the discourse must be open. <laughs> <laughs> and in Michael Jackson news today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but what were we talking about anyway? Uh, they, they, were, they were saying how Epstein's are innocent. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, just like oh, being open about like past sexual, like about your online sexual history or something. It's like yeah, and also it's like uh, there's a little bit of indignation behind it too because it's like as shameless as like the culture has become on like the level of power or whatever. Like women, you know, women whose like nudes get leaked or something will still get shit for some reason, and right. it's like there's still like a weirdly puritanical layer underneath all of this now you can't be an age of ultron or whatever yeah it's like it, it, and it's just like yeah fuck you i mean yeah. part of it is like fuck you yeah you know? right. it which all to be fair no, no one kept scarlett johansson you know from working well no but yeah. but she had a great she's, body she's scarlett johansson yeah. <laughs> i mean well, well i mean do they still do that do they still shame it doesn't seem like they shame me much anymore it, it, i think it's gotten better it's gotten more it's gotten more the fact of like her the onus seems to be on, but they're not. Fun. When's a sex? I don't know. A sex tape though. Like if if Taylor Swift was on camera sucking big cock, would that affect her? Like if she yeah, got the family plan. Definitely. Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah. popular. Yeah, in the south. So. Yeah, I bet it would affect Taylor Swift. Also, it right, affect, no one fucks kids in the south, huh? 
it also affects like private people. I think the most, almost like 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 when somebody uh, like a private person gets like revenge porn or something. Mm-hmm. It's like an ex, like a a, a you know a, a bad ex, like poster pictures or something. Like right. you know, if you're working for just like a local like you know realtor for firm or something, and it's like that that gets exposed, your job could be vulnerable. Should revenge porn be legal if the guy doing it like Shows like him not getting it up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it's never happened. He's like, oh, just, just, just stop talking for a minute. <laughs> I, I yeah, okay. because then it's mutually assured destruction. I sure, guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, but it's like it. That's the, it's a weird kind of crime in the sense that it's not it's not the initial thing that destroys a person, but it's like the person who does it is relying on the society to be. Sh- almost shittier than them. Like, it's like they're, they're relying on the society to like take right. all the Puritan anger out on the victim. Well, and, I think the key is don't, I mean, if you don't, maybe the moral here is don't court the family dollar, you know, don't be the family act. Yeah. What, what is that anyway? I want families to listen to me. I want fucking guys, you know, guys who fuck their daughters, but pretend to go to church to fucking buy my album. It's like, fuck <laughs> you. Like, you know, it's how you live by the sword. You die by the sword. Sure. Don't be a family act. What's this horse shit? <laughs> There's nothing better than when like a, a family friendly person is revealed to have done something. I mean, Bill Cosby was the ultimate family friendly comic. Disgusting. Yeah. 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 He was uh, America's dad or whatever. Yeah. And who else? The fucking Ryan Seacrest? Well, he's still, nothing's come out yet, right? But, Wait, what happened with him? Uh, wasn't there something? Something, must in, have happened. something did sure happen really quickly and they went away really quickly. Mm. But uh, I forget. I, I, maybe he's innocent or maybe he's just, you know, he's. That, well, he sold his soul to Disney years ago. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure... Uh, my point is, he's the kind... Look, you, you gotta look at the, at the landscape and go, the, you know, who's likely to be a, a predator? And I just... My opinion, that guy seems like a predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think it was really, like, important that we touched on how easy it was for you guys to be vulnerable. And, I mean, what's so cool about the both of you is you could sense your authenticity on screen. And the fact that you guys are just able to be comfortable with one another and obviously comfortable with the audience. I mean, uh, you don't really get that too often. I'm like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, Spit in my mouth. Spit in my mouth. <laughs> what were you talking about? Authentic with the audience? Nice. Nice. <laughs> Is this what your podcasts are usually like? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we just, I mean, her hands on my cock, my, my, my fingers in her ass. Um, <laughs> but no, we talk about politics too. Yeah. No, I can definitely tell that. We get into the real issues as well. Yeah. <laughs> into the yeah. minute arguments. Into the real <laughs> tissues as well. <laughs> <laughs> Make a soup out of your No, ass, we so. went, uh, we went canvassing <laughs> together. Uh-huh. We went, we did political canvassing together. Oh, we did do that together. Oh, what did you canvass for? No, it wasn't political canvassing. How are you? How are you saying it's political canvassing? That's the whole point. It wasn't supposed <laughs> to be political canvassing. Or it's political in the sense of we went. No, I, I was roped into this. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you. We went out last week. Mm-hmm. Lucy tells me that I'm gonna go out. Uh, there's a thing where people are handing out flyers to like immigrants or, or whatever in like certain areas mm-hmm. for these ice raids yeah. to give them information on their rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was telling me how, like, oh, why don't you do your podcast? my own podcast. Why don't you do your podcast while I'm gone? I'll come with you. And she was trying to, like, make it, no, you don't have to come. And, like, she's better than me and more virtuous. 
fuck is off screw you for that. No, I mean, we went out and we went out and went, and then as soon as we get there, and I was all gun ho for this because I, you know, fuck ice. Uh, but it's like everyone's wearing AOC shirts. I'm like, ah, this is kind of weird. And then look, as we we did the work. I was the best one of the group, I think, or whatever. Uh, but as they you know, it, it was definitely a, a more political operation than the I envisioned. Well, I knew it was organized by AOC, mm-hmm. which I thought was great. But it's like, but I mean, there was like definitely two different strategies where our strategy was just like rapid fire handing out flyers. Well, not just any random person, but you know, people were reading my flyers and appreciating and liking them (laughs) and understanding what was going on. And this guy, like this fucking, you know, virtue signaling fucking nutcase who was like, you know, wearing a fucking, he's dressed like Serpico for some reason. (laughs) And he's... And he's fucking going, like, oh, why don't you stand and chat with them and get to know him first? And it's like, look at me. Do I? I look like an a, a, a out of work ICE agent. Like, no one, like, these people aren't going to want to chat. I'm going to going, like, hey, do you know your rights? They're going to think they're under arrest. Like, <laughs> give them the info. Like, just leave with the Spanish side of the paper. It's fine. He, like, the problem is, I, I, I suspect, I can't say for sure, I suspect that, you know, as you start talking, it becomes more like, so you're ready to the vote? <laughs> you look like you're just going to be like, hey, do you know your rights? You have the right to shut the fuck up and come with me right now. <laughs> Citizens of ICE arrest. <laughs> Citizens of ICE arrest. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's really cool that you guys ended up doing that. What was it like for you? I enjoyed it, but I mean, I didn't like the passive-aggressive, like, looks the guy was giving me. I mean, it's always like, it is, It you know, it's like you, you use your time. It, it feels good to use your time to do something good. But there is always, like, especially, unfortunately, with, like, the left, there is, like, a thing with the left where whenever you're out supporting a cause, no matter how specific the cause is, there's always somebody trying to, like, needle in with their own pet cause. Oh, yeah, we were on a train to, where we go? What's, uh, Oceanside? No. Uh, Corona, whatever. Yeah. We had to like get on a subway, you know, once we met. And we're, and so there's like four or five of us. And it's one dude's like pushing veganism the whole time. Yeah. And how like, you know, and how he's, well, he's like some 75 year old, like, you know, I don't know what, like, like yeah. older men or whatever they call it. He's some guy who's like, these, these people, it's like what they do on the weekends, you know? They fucking just get in with like local politics, and that's fine. Yeah, it's important. But I mean, at a certain point, it becomes, like, the people who run the low level shit in this country are just using it as a social club. Right. And it's just like, you know, and, and they're just fucking eating beans and, like, you know, <laughs> or soybeans or whatever the fuck, or like, yeah. you know, and how you have pigs aren't, aren't, aren't fucking uh, efficient. Right. It's like, it's, it's like, it's <laughs> like anytime to... you go, it's like you want to protest a war, and it's like there's somebody there, like, legalize weed too and it's like i'm down to legalize weed but it's like can we focus for a second i'm trying to get kids out of cages here. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and i mean so interestingly enough i think it was maybe a month or two ago so we had on this person well a friend of mine named jesse manisto and so she used to be an active member of the dsa so she mm. was a member since like way before the bernie sanders period like way before like years before oh back when no one respected them yeah no literally she <laughs> said that they when she came there she had like she said there were like 500 members across the entire country yeah. and then she she said actually like when the whole Bernie craze happened that things got so much worse where like sort of kind of the people who were more socialist and more kind of uh, I guess even communist too that it, they became sort of so rigid and so fanatical that it became hard for her to have any or any of them the original members to have any particular discourse there where sort of anytime you said something that was against the party line at the time you were pretty much just shut down and kind of thrown out oh so it actually became more left no 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 so she actually left 
So no, she, but I'm saying like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it went more like left than yeah, so, it was to begin with. Yeah, so she said initially it was just full of kind of like um like old school kind of union heads. Um, she said a lot of academics were a part of it, and then right. as the Bernie craze happened, she's like now it's full of like a bunch of kind of zealot you know twenty year olds. Well, that makes sense because I remember growing up or whatever, I always remember I didn't know much about them. I always thought they were more like you know kind of like the, the left version of libertarians. You know, not not in the sense of the same ideas, but like. Right. You know, a little, like a little more level-headed and kind of like, yes. yeah, we, you know, and like, then yeah, exactly. In the past few years, it's, it definitely seems like they're just full-on Marxists now. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah there definitely seems to be more of a mix of people who are like actually supporting Bernie Sanders' agenda, and then there are more, and but there's like they're more mixed in now with people who like do kind of full-on want to nationalize certain industries and like, right. yeah, it's like, it, yeah, there's definitely like a range. I feel like, and the weird thing about the, this current generation of kids. Like these twenty-year-olds now. It's like you talk about how like because the big thing you know in general when you argue like if you look at the Hayek and Road to Serfdom, just in general like the way you would argue against socialism would be like, well you know it's all good at first, but then you know it descends into like you know the the, the the minority extremes pull on the edges of the center and it becomes this thing. But I feel like this this group of twenty-year-old this generation on YZ whatever the fuck they call them like they want. The fucking jackboots. They want the fucking like they want to go straight to Stalinism. I feel like they want to admit it, but I feel like they kind of want. They, they're sick of this, like because at the very least, because they're so sick of seeing the opulence of rich people. Yeah. That they, they, it's like I'm not saying it's fair, but I feel like it's we've lost the uh, the handle on the, on the reason. I mean that attitude exists. I don't know that it. I, yeah. I I don't know that it represents the majority of people. Who identify with socialism now? Like I think, I think people identify with socialism more because this kind of propaganda machine on the center right has so effectively conflated socialism with any social program that it's like now people. Now the consequence of that is people are like actively calling themselves socialists. Well, I agree that there's a there's an issue, but I do yeah. also think it's pushed more people towards just you know full on Stalinism. Yeah, I I think yeah I there. People like that. I don't think they I, think they may not think that in their in their. But I think like yeah. you could tell because this whole internet, the Twitter, and internet, the whole it ruined the world, and it's it's made the whole world binary. Yeah. So there is no. There's not going to be a nuance. So like if the, the, the pendulum shifts, it's going to be the guillotine and fucking. You're gonna, <laughs> it's going to be thrown against the wall, and you know you're going to yeah. be done. Yeah, and, and, that was, and that was actually the purpose of our show with Jesse. We talked about nuanced thinking and its importance. So right. for her, she said essentially like when the DSA, not when they started out, but when she was a part of it, that what they used to do was they would actually present counter arguments to one another within those particular kind of whatever sessions or whatever you want to call them. Sure. And so the point of it was like they would have these meetings to actually refine their thinking. Mm -hmm. So right. there would be like these debates where somebody would present a point, somebody would present a counterpoint, and either you kind of, let's say, you have more support for your own system of thinking or you pretty much synthesize the two ideas presented but so okay. right yeah. and so to, and the point of that was that essentially you refine your thinking and you understand that hey you're not always right but it's okay because we have kind of this world of ideas and this world of people that have to actually live together with these ideas right and, the problem with that is that what you're describing has nothing to do with politics no and not anymore that's the thing not not in the dsa anymore it's actually not like that so the few meetings that i went to so there were i don't want to kind of like i don't want to sort of um 
kind of shit on them or anything. So, but a lot of the meetings that I went to, so like they were pretty extreme there. And I mean, it was like, like this is the way we're going to do things. And there was a lot of infighting. And so there was like no kind of really real ability to connect or see other people's perspectives. It wasn't like this with everybody, by the way. Right. So it, the DSA, I just, I have to say this is full of a lot of really cool people. Like, no, we've yeah. met, we met people who I, you know, I don't agree with them, but they're, you know, they have respectable opinions. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not like an, a, a, some kind of ardent anarcho-capitalist. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical of these people, but you know, they're, they're good people. As, as well, well, you should be. But, and that's the thing yeah. that I think is lost. The fact that we're not like accepting of skepticism on any level. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's also like, I mean, I say like, it's not reflective of politics. I don't even mean against the DSA. Like there is no place in politics for discourse whatsoever. No. Like, even, you know, this whole thing has become just, it, it, it's it's just a, a, a two raw nerves being like fucking just kicked every fucking five seconds. Yeah. Like everyone's just reacting and reacting, and just there's, it's there is no hope. I don't know why we're discussing. Actually, I got a pretty cool idea as far as that goes because I've been thinking yeah. about that too, and I was like, what would be the solution? And maybe uh, like a couple of times, um, for example, Rogan, <clears throat> he had like uh, I think it was Tulsi Gabbard yeah. and like Andrew Yang on his podcast, right? Now, I'm not saying anything in particular about either of them, but what was cool was you got to see, like, these political candidates kind of, like, speak long form and, like, kind of see who they are and kind of, like, pick apart their ideas and stuff like that. So, like, maybe if there was, like, a podcast where you had not just one politician, maybe two of them from, like, separate kind of, you know, standpoints and then maybe somebody moderating it, kind of like a Rogan, maybe someone else, whatever. And then yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah, nice. that, that's like the, one of the problems, too, with like, for example, how big the Democratic field is this year is that like the debates are have kind of lost any semblance of we're having we're debating policy here. It's like it's more like, all right, everybody get your sound bites in. And, you know, and, and then by the by the time everyone's done that, it's like there isn't really any time to go into detail. And it's like until you've narrowed the field out, you can't even go deep on people's policy opinions and like even when and honestly even when these like major networks have time to do it they don't use it to do that and to be fair it's like if you want information on Tulsi Gap or if you want information on Andrew Yang you can get it yeah like and there is interviews of them talking where you can get a robust idea of what they're about no one gives a fuck yeah no one's watching this podcast you're describing like yeah a million people might two million people might, but it's not gonna be like, if, if the people were interested in that kind of thing, that's the, the problem is, but my, my reason I think there's no hope is not because of the system. It's because of the American people. <laughs> we're, we're terrible. We've allowed ourselves to become fat, lazy, and terrible. And even if you're not fat, you're spoiled, you're fucking, you're, you're, you're sensory, fucking engaged yeah. with, like, you know, iPads. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. No, I'm sorry. But, you know, <laughs> but the point is, like, you know, we've allowed ourselves to be uh, basically just ultra consumer like I, I, again i'm a capitalist but ultra consumer is the point where it's like we're just consuming and we're and reacting and like no one's like the, the ratings tell the story if, if, if people care they'd watch yeah i know rogan gets a lot of listeners but you know i don't see yeah. i don't see the political discourse like if anything he's been, he's been around for like 10 years i remember listening to him almost 10 years ago and like he's great and he has great discussions if anything, and I'm not saying any, any causal effect, but things have gotten way worse and way more binary in the past ten years. Yeah. Sure. So I don't know, like that, you know, anyone's really. I, I don't know what where, where this like people in their in their spare time seem to like nuanced discussions, but when it comes to like you know actual politics, 
it's just getting so like you know people just have too much of an emotional stake in it. Yeah, and and plus it's like beyond like uh, the problems that like the internet has given us and like instant gratification in that way has given us and mm -hmm. the polarization that like you can see happening with YouTube where people are led more and more down the rabbit hole of one kind of binary thinking. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's like in addition to those problems which is, which have been like created to some extent by the new technology. Americans have always been, I mean, prone to mob mentality and paranoia with especially with regard to like different races and like immigrants and stuff it's like that's kind of like you know that that's kind of a tale as old as time when it comes to the united states so it's like the cages are new but yeah <laughs> the, ca the cages are new but at the same time it's like we were like uh, delousing immigrants with zyklon b at one point what? or or, or uh, uh, uh you sure about that with Zyklon B? Or not with it Actually, it may not have been with Zyklon B. With, or with Lyme. Well, maybe, I mean, is that, is that a problem? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a it was cause health problem. Oh, did yeah. it? Yeah. I thought they, don't they do it in prisons, too, they do live stream? Maybe. I mean, there was, there was, like, a big controversy at one point with them, like, uh, it was, like, a, I, I think it was also on the southern border, but, like, a hundred years ago or so, like, where it was, like, Oh. Yeah, where they were using like a toxic chemical oh, okay. to delouse people, and it's like, it, it, I mean, I, it, now that's not the same as cages, but it's the same kind of like principle of like, there's always been a dehumanizing attitude yeah. towards the immigrant, and it's like there, and there's always been, I mean, just reading up on like something like I mean, maybe uh, the Native Americans should deloused us. <laughs> yeah. we, we brought over fucking what we, we, we uh, absolutely yeah. we killed them all yeah totally with the diseases yeah more, they, should, they should have more than deloused us yeah <laughs> but uh like uh it, but like even with something like uh uh the creation of like the Levittown suburb like I don't know how much you guys know about like that period of history but it's such a great microcosm mm -hmm. of how crazy people go particularly white people honestly like when when the, the concept of sharing their communities comes up mm -hmm. with like with people who aren't white or with right. immigrants what, or whatever. What, what reality of the, what okay. happened then? Well, basically, they, they said the Levitt houses were these houses that were you know this guy Levitt designed them after the war. Mm -hmm. They were basically made for returning GIs, but they were all affor like, affordable, and you get them like they had these like loans for GIs. So they were kind of the first suburbs. Yeah, and there was like a there I mean, was there was a black family that came in. Levitt decided he wanted to experiment with desegregating the suburb and so he brought a, a black family in and it was like you know uh, uh, a guy I forget if the husband in that family was a veteran or, or whatever but it's like you know it's like this nice the veterinarian uh, veterinarian <laughs> you, got, but, you got it mixed up he's always a veterinarian he's like an animal doctor uh, big problem word wizard baby <laughs> uh, I, uh, but like uh, essentially like this family moved in and it's really interesting because it's like th there's actually a series of photos from the perspective of this black family's house mm -hmm. because as soon as they moved in people just started showing up on the lawn across the street from them yeah. and and they, so there's a series of photos where it's like an empty lawn across the street from them and then it's like uh some white people staring at them in the next photo wow. and then there and then there's more people and then in the next photo there's more people and it's like it's like in, it's like uh, being in a weird like a Twilight Zone episode. Well, get out. Well, don't, don't yeah. bury the lead because it ended in a violent mob. 
Well, and then it Didn't ended. Did they burn the house down or something? Uh, well, I think some people were throwing stuff. I don't think it got as violent as burning the house down. Okay. But like, but the there was an angry mob that ended up surrounding Levitt mm-hmm. and like demanding basically that he like got rid of this family. And eventually, the family ended up leaving just for their own safety. Right. But it's like it's just a microcosm of how it's like you just you you push for a little bit of tolerance in this country and you and the and the backlash yeah. like throughout history has just been massive well let's also like, not like uh let let it off the hook. i mean maybe yeah. he wasn't the suburbs in this country especially if i'm from long island we had a we had a levittown long island there's one in pennsylvania also there's a bunch of them there's a few levittowns and uh but my point is these were designed for white people to get away from minorities. Yeah, that's yeah. How they, that's how they were used. That's how they were treated. I mean, we had the we have the uh, Robert Moses in Long Island designed a lot of our parkways, the you know, Northern State Parkway, the Southern State Parkway, the Causeway, and on those parkways, there the overpasses don't allow for any kind of trucks. If you have a commercial truck, you take the Long Island Expressway and then a couple of the roads. And the common knowledge, I don't know if it's, a, it's ever been officially stated, like, you know, why, why can't you have trucks on the, because they didn't want buses bringing black people to the beaches of Long Island. Yeah. Like, this, this whole thing is designed, to, you know, around racial tribalism. Right. And I'm not sure why we're talking, you know, as relates to the, but the point is, we're, we've been fucked forever, is the point. Yeah, yeah it's just like, yeah. Tribalism. Right, right. And I think that's where we started, kind of with nuanced thinking and how difficult it is for a lot of people, obviously, to engage in it and to take the other person's perspective. Right. Yeah. And so, totally. And, and so, I mean, also just to kind of, I mean, not only just to play devil's advocate, but to kind of shine a light on what it's like for the other kind of sort of people, right, that sort of um, find it difficult to engage in nuanced thinking. So in terms of capitalism, right, I mean, capitalism takes a lot of our time and a lot of our energy. And so for a lot of people, just for the sake of time, obviously, that they prefer simple answers to really difficult questions. And so a lot of the times it's easier just to pick a team and kind of side with it rather than to actually spend two or three hours watching a particular debate. Yeah, it's called being a moron. I don't, I don't necessarily. <laughs> Necessarily agree with that. I really no, it's, don't. It's, it's willful. It's willfully being a moron. It's I, willfully not engaging with any. With, like, look, it's one thing you don't spend your whole life doing it, but not understand the basic, you know, tenets of how uh, the economy works mm-hmm. and just disregard. Like, people just are too lazy to do it. You know, they, uh, we're letting them off the hook. I don't. I don't you know, it's too hard. Everyone's got. Yeah, you know, we all. We all fucking work. And, and, and some people, you know, get, spend their twenties getting laid and fucking a lot of women, and good for them. I spent my twenties reading some books, mm-hmm. and now I have Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with you actually, Leon. Like, it's like I, I don't think it necessarily, it's necessarily a lack of intelligence, but I do think it's like the society we're in does foster a a pretty short attention span and 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 a lack of awareness at the very least yeah to be clear i wasn't saying they're like innately unintelligent i'm saying that they're willfully allowing themselves to not educate themselves i mean like you know i'm not saying you have to fucking go you know study fucking poly science at fucking yale i'm saying yeah but like fucking learn a little bit about the world instead of just shooting your mouth off well, like I mean, take some time to learn a little yeah, bit. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Not yeah. all the time, but sometimes. Yeah, I hear you, but I mean, for the people who are, again, sort of working 40, 50, 60, even hours a week, I mean, that's not what they want to spend their free time doing. That's why I'm well, like, And I, I, honestly, yeah. even when they do feel like they're doing it, it's like, yeah, so it's like, what, you have maybe a couple of hours a day to educate yourself. And at that point, once you decide, okay, I'm going to try to educate myself on this, well, then you're up against a multi-billion dollar media conglomerate that very much wants you wants to keep you in the realm of simple thinking so it's like 
in a way it's like they're they're fighting a battle it's like you're fighting a battle against misinformation even when you're trying to yeah. get information so it's like yeah on some level it's like what chance do people have i think the big i think one of the big because here's the thing i i spent a long time I, i've gone through different phases where you know I was raised in a house that worshipped Ronald, Ray- Ronald Reagan, and then yeah, I went to college and became more liberal. Like, you know, it vacillated back and forth, anarchism, libertarian. My point is like it takes a certain level of like humility to like change to be like I believe this, and then to like all of a sudden on a dime go, oh, I, maybe I was wrong about that. And I was I was an idiot for five years yeah. talking about libertarianism. Hey, and I was like, a conspiracy theorist before. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of conspiracies that are actual, you know, true. Yeah, I mean, well, not to the level that I was, trust me. Oh, fair enough. Really embarrassing. <laughs> fair enough. But, you know, but uh, the point is, it's like, you know, what, what was I saying? Oh, no, it's like, I think, you know, of course, it, it's hard for people when they're, when they're busy, sure. But, like, you know, it's also in... in, in Cable news is to blame, but it's also I think it, it, it's it's a lot to ask to kind of disregard your ego and just say, hey, I was wrong, and like change your point of view. People don't want to do it, and it's like a thing that's like built into. I think it's how we get. It's kind of built into the idea of the system that we have. It's like you know, it's innately tribalistic because people are going to kind of stick to their like. No one really debates don't tend to work. It just kind of, they kind of drive people closer to the fringe on the other side. When you give them a valid argument, you know, because you kind of you're reducing any kind of middle ground that they had, because you know, and, and they just become it becomes dogmatic to them right. when you kind of strip away, like if they if they have like a, you know, if if they can quote you statistics on black crime, for instance, right. and you show them why that's flawed and why those the data is irrelevant, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden most of the time change their mind. They're just going to kind of still believe what they believe, but then not have data to back it up. So it just makes it more dogmatic. I, I'm curious, Leah, what, what conspiracies were you into? Oh, God, that's like a show in itself. So, oh, my <laughs> Actually, God. I want to hear it, too. Oh, at least a lot of what's oh, the weirdest one? Uh, you can say you don't anything. believe it anymore. No, I definitely that. don't. Um, all right, so, my God. All right, so it even went beyond Alex Jones. So, like, I was into Bill Cooper. Do you guys know who he was? The, the UFO guy? Yes, the UFO <laughs> guy, the one who wrote Beyond the, what was it? No, Behold the Pale Horse. So he was like, oh my god, this shit was so wild, man. So he, so he was like an old army veteran. I don't remember exactly. Oh no, navy veteran. I don't remember what his position was, but like, so he, be- so he was actually one of the first people to expose the Bilderberg meetings. But he Ooh. believed, for whatever reason, that they were actually held in submarines every single year. And so he had this uh, weekly radio show, which was called The Hour of the Time. And so it was so phenomenal. So what he would do is he would read this esoteric literature from different like Freemasons, people like from the Rosicrucians, government officials, right? Like this stuff that you would never get in the mainstream and so he would pick apart the information that obviously proved this theory of there being a one world government so he would go into like freemasonic literature and say hey look this is like manly p hall right and manly p hall is advocating for a one world government and here was um i forgot what his name was so bill clinton's advisor he wrote this oh my god i forgot the name of the book but it was it's a super popular george stephanopoulos no So I forgot his name, but he wrote this really prominent book in the conspiracy movement, right? That's like really well known there. And so, oh, I know what you're talking about um, tragedy and hope. Carol Quigley. Yes, there it is. Yeah, Carol Quigley. Yeah. So, and essentially, he also advocated for one world government, right? And then what they would do is they would put it. Well, what Cooper did was he would put it together with like let's say communist thought, and he would say, hey, look, you know, Lenin advocated for the same thing, right? This is what they actually want. So he 
even though in the literature it's benevolent, obviously when we see it in actuality, what we see is that it's actually complete totalitarianism. So Cooper, like what I believed at the time, was that it was all connected, right? That there was no such thing as these different teams, right? There was no right versus left. So right. there was a connection between capitalism and communism in the sense that it was all this big system run by the Illuminati who were essentially feeding you benevolent garbage while trying to create a totalitarian communist worldwide regime. Well, that's that's the biggest. In a way, it's like it's it, it almost seems like that's because I've heard that be before from other people too. Yeah. And it's like it almost seems like it's simultaneously the easiest conspiracy to buy and the most destructive because it's like it, it's understandable how you could think about that because it's like people in power globally do conspire with one another, and it's like that does happen sometimes, and like. The, the overturned window of like right and left is constructed by major media conglomerates to some extent. And it's like, like there, are, there are huge grains of truth in that theory, but once you buy into it on that level, yeah. then, then you're completely unable to distinguish right from wrong on some level. Because right. it's like, I've had conversations with people who, who buy this because it's like, it's like they can't even bring themselves to say like, yeah, putting kids in cages is definitively worse than other administrations' actions because right. it's all part of the same thing right, right, in their right. mind. But yeah. then again, like you know, but you start a fake war and kill a million people. Sure, it's like it, it does become fuzzy, which is worse. But, but, but more of the point, though, uh, look, a lot of this stuff is true functionally. And like, yeah. there is no like one world government, of course, but like you know, there is a relative minority that control you know, of wealth that controls power in this world. Sure, and. Uh, Look, look at our own country in the way the Pentagon works, military-industrial conflict, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, in the five years after 9-11, between 2001 and 2005, $5 trillion went missing from the Pentagon. Yeah. Just went missing. $5 trillion went missing. Right. Right? Almost a trillion, like $700 billion a year at least goes to the military industry. This is a huge thing that, go, that besides, when, when, a, when a Democrat gets into office and tries to curtail that, it's by a minute percentage. You know, and so, like, there are certain things. I mean, no one's really curtailing the private prison system in this country. I mean, Obama said he was, but I don't know if it actually happened with that. He took some steps to like reprieve certain people, but it's like he took some right. meaningful but symbolic steps. Sure. Yeah. The point is, like, I think for most people, it's either thing. We talk about how dangerous it is, but I think for most people, it's dangerous for people who are already engaged politically and are active to fall down a rabbit hole. Yeah. But I think if more people understood just how uh, how much they were getting fucked by both sides, it would be helpful. Like, yeah. you need to kind of understand that first and then piece it back together after you realize that a lot of it is fake. And a lot of it is, I mean, it's very real to people who are on the fringes of society and who, who, are, who are, you know, vulnerable. But I mean, but a lot of the power structures are built on just, you know, exploitation of wealth and, you know, right. and long term, like, you know, mining rights and for coltan mines in Africa, whatever the fuck, you know, like, like, like the things, the motivations are, are usually. We're always, you know, horseshit. I mean, uh, there are in very real ways like limits to our virtue that that like huge limits to our virtue that apply to both major parties and both sides politically, like for sure. And, right? and so just really quickly, I just want to kind of speak to Ray's point because so I, Ray is obviously saying to just to our audience. So Ray is saying that there's a sort of group of billionaires, right, that essentially kind of run the world, which obviously in a sense sounds very conspiracy. Well, no, I'm, not, oh, it, it, I'm saying the, the, the roots of power are right, right, like, right. And so, the, yeah, it's yeah. not like they, they control everything, but I'm saying it's yeah. like 
It's, it's not the common people voting. Is the point. Yeah, yeah, and so the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because there was actually just for empirical reasons and for our audience not to sort of consider us as, you know, these sort of big conspiracy loons, is that actually a few years ago there was a study done by social scientists and I think Princeton it was, and so they actually kind of um, looked at the correlation between, let's say, the policies that were enacted within, I think it was about a 30 or 40 year period and sort of, let's say, also the political kind of aspirations or rather the political kind of leanings of different classes of people. So let's say they kind of divided it up into, I think it was middle class, obviously upper class and then lower class. And so what they actually found was that more so than not, the upper class had the sort of the legislation that was actually more in tune with their political aspirations, more so than the middle class and way more so than sort of poor people. So what what they found is essentially that sort of the people who get their legislation enacted are the people who are the billionaires and the millionaires of the country. So yeah, yeah. You know. sure, yeah. Like honestly, that should be the baseline. Like to, that shouldn't be controversial. Like yeah. if, if you if you just show like if if you just took someone who was like a nomad and said, hey, we have this thing called society and like you know we have these resources and like. The, the, the natural thing, you, you're trying to describe who has the power, who doesn't. Yeah, the person who has the resources has the power. Like, that's the way it's, it's right. like, the idea of, of, a, of, a, of a pluralistic democracy where people somehow, like, abdicate, like, you know, put power aside and, and, and go by the virtual debate is, like, insane idea. And if, it, if you can get it to work, great. But, like, people shouldn't be, like, wary of that as, like, as, like, in their analysis like that should be kind of like what you expect to see yeah it's, it's kind of like sometimes people will react as if it's unduly cynical mm -hmm. to, su to suggest that somebody would be motivated by money to invade a country or to take this like big destructive step <laughs> in, in foreign policy and it's like people sometimes people will react to that as if you're kind of like well, you, you must be really cynical to believe that, but it's but like, it, why wouldn't that motivate people? You know, it's it, always it, motivate anyone. Like money and power, and maybe barely sex, mostly money and power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Throughout history, and somehow people always think they're the exception. Yeah. Right. And especially in this country, interestingly enough, when, you know, obviously now it's kind of like, I mean, it's pretty much mainstream that America invades, what well, has in the past at least, and yeah. probably still does, invades countries, right, to kind of topple governments, right? And yeah. Kind of, right. And I mean, so the argument usually given by the right is that that's done for benevolent reasons, whereas the communists, right, did it for sort of more selfish or individualistic kind of pursuits and more sort of power pursuits. I mean, do they actually believe that? Yeah, they yeah. actually, they, they really do. They literally well, that's why believe. they're morons. I mean, look at Iran. We have something about Iran right now. We might, we might go to war maybe we won't i mean how many people know that like could people people still look at the hostage crisis when they when they when the iranian revolution happened yeah. in 79 or whatever mm -hmm. and they overthrew and they, oh, we had, and they had like, first of all the, the best kept hostages i've ever seen no one got hurt really and yeah. then no one got killed whatever really, oh these evil iranians and, look, and it's not great for women over there maybe yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. For that. no it's definitely the point, no it's not, it's not but i mean there's a reason <laughs> like look there's a causal thing going on here because in what 59 we fucking overthrew the Iranian, the, the, the democratically elected prime minister, Mostig, right. who was right. not a communist. He, he was a populist. He was not a communist. But, you know, we, and we had this, you know, Red Scare going on, of course, which is bullshit. Because what happened was he wanted to nationalize the oil field. So right. British Aramco, which is, you know, modern day's BP, BP goes to Churchill, who was back in power in England, goes, hey, we want you to take, fucking take care of this Mostig guy, get rid of him. And they didn't have the fucking... You know, they couldn't do it for a reason. So they convinced fucking Eisenhower to go fucking, you know, they sent Kermit Roosevelt, Roosevelt's cousin, the CIA guy, and they fucking overthrew the government. You know, and then the point, and like, and everyone knew this. We, we sold the shop, who is one of the most brutal dictators. Right, right, right. In yeah, and, and before that, 
point is like Iran was was fairly liberal in the it way. Was kind of, yeah, yeah. And uh, and he made it culturally liberal, I guess, in the sense of women, you know, but but also brutal. I mean, the secret Savak secret police was just you know incredible. They were just you know kidnapping the middle of that, like any secret police. And the point is, like, yeah. So when the Iranian Revolution happens, and it's like, yeah, they take they take the embassy. Well, you know, who works at the embassy? The fucking CIA. Everyone knows this. Yeah. Like everyone and the rest of the world views this as like, oh yeah, like you know, this kind of payback, and it's not that it's not it doesn't make them evil. But we we act like Iran is just some fucking you know, it's like G. Cobra, the GI Joe, you know, the fucking this evil you know conglomerate. And what was, what was the point? Well, oh yeah, these ben- so I don't know why these benevolent fucking coups happen. Yeah. We, we did we did it for an oil company. Yeah, we sure. overthrew Guatemala for United Fruit. We overthrew fucking Hawaii. Uh, we got we, we made Kamehameha sign a fucking treaty at the point of a gun uh, for Dole sh- the sugar, Dole sugar, right? With the uh, Domino sugar, well, a sugar company. Yeah, we get sugar. This is the history of the world. We love our sugar. We love yeah. We love we love, we love this shit. We love resources. I mean, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. So it's like I I don't know that's why I don't understand what conservative means. I mean it's the idea of like. Oh, we do this for benevolent. It seems like conservatism is like you know just a, a cover for the. I don't want to like minorities, so here's some here's some bullshit reasons I can say. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like here's a political cover for every one of my like basest prejudices. Yeah. And don't get me <laughs> yeah. wrong, I hate the left too. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I, this is the thing. So this is my point, though. Is like. There is no if, if people are like these books are around. I'm, I I wasn't I wasn't you know unemployed for twenty years. Yeah. You know I read some books. I, I I went on audible.com. A lot of these were audio books I read. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I'm not the most educated guy in the world by any means, but it's like people have to spend a little less time watching Netflix and maybe you know listen to a fucking audio book once in a while. <laughs> there are libraries around. Like, yeah. At a certain point, it's your responsibility. Otherwise, you deserve the president you get. Yeah. yeah. No, it was literally Plato who said something like that. Like, literally, the, the ignorant people deserve their despotic ruler, rulers. So something yeah. along those lines, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can be argued, or it can be argued that that's why we have these podcasts. Podcasts, one, and then two, actually, Ray, to your point, yeah, if somebody is, like, uh, commuting, let's say, to work or whatever, like, let's say, here in the city, let's say somebody's taking the train to work, like me, I take, like, about an hour to get to work, Yeah, I could listen to an audiobook, uh, there's nothing stopping me from doing that and educating myself, right, and, like, the same for anyone else who could be commuting, driving, whatever, if they're in LA, let's say, I heard I hear the traffic over there. It's no, it's crazy. pretty. It's brutal. Yeah, it's really brutal. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The and point like, of this is reading is magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought it? Reading actually helps things. <laughs> I just think it's like, oh, there's nothing stopping. Like, why? you guys, you guys are supposedly. I mean, I don't know if you actually have listeners, but supposedly people look up to you. <laughs> no, so, we have a few. We have like maybe a two or three. So stop letting them off the hook. Tell them to read. <laughs> You're that guy. You got to read. Reading yeah. fundamental, it's magic. <laughs> we'll start giving. It's up actually fun. true, by the by the way. I like you know. I said it in kind of joking tone, but like no, yeah, sure. legit. Yeah, of course. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, since you guys brought up the topic, I wonder what books changed your lives. I mean, to the point we were just talking. There's a really good book from Stephen Kersner. Uh, well, he wrote two of them in this topic. One was All the Shah's Men, which is about the Iranian coup. Yeah. And he wrote another book called Overthrow, which was about that, but also like 10 other, you know, basically how every military intervention in American history has been some sort of resource grab. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, some Marxist screed. This is, like, you know, legit declassified information, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think about which books changed my mind about Atlas the, Shrugged. the way the world works. <laughs> Atlas Shrugged. Hey, look, I did read it, it's a weird, it, it's worth reading it as a, it's a weird book. Oh, God. I realized 
the only thing we are only valuable for our efficiency <laughs> and we need to strip ourselves of empathy <laughs> in order to be in order in order to pass the chrysalis honestly you 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 gotta read you have to read out of the shrug for if, if only this for the 30 page long sex scenes <laughs> which are insane um, about like about, uh, as he entered her she understood his virtue <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, well, reading Legacy of Ashes about the CIA mm-hmm. is a really great overview, I think, of just how, uh, you know, of just kind of deconstructing the CIA as an organization. Since then, I've, I've realized that it's like it's lacking in, in certain ways. It's, it it kind of makes them look like like what you always well, say is makes, it makes them look like a, the Keystone Cops, right. which is like, you know, it kind of removes the, some of the... Uh, you know so, some of the worst intentions from their actions, but it, but I think in that sense it's actually a good starter for understanding the CIA because it's like it's kind of like okay, let's assume best intentions in all of these situations. They're still disastrous, you know. Well, and sure. it's like and and uh, it, you know it's like so that like I think was was good for just understanding like foreign policy and you know and also like you, you know reading uh, one of my favorite authors is James Baldwin. We've actually yeah. at least talked about him, Leon. As like and I love reading him because he I think recontextualizes a lot of like you know, he he recontextualizes the civil rights movement in the United States in a really interesting way, I think, and kind of like strips a lot of the romanticism from it because, you know, people now talk a lot about like the whitewashing of Martin Luther King or like, you know, the the uh the kind of like uh unnecessary villainization of like Malcolm X over the years. And, 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 you know, I think that he as an author spent a lot of his career just kind of like, you know, correcting romantic notions about this movement and like really, really kind of making it in a very stoic way, talking about it as a response to castration, you know, and it's like, and, you know, at, at one point, like he had a great line about how it's like, you know, Martin Luther King was responding to the castration of black people in the South and Mar- and Malcolm X was, res- was responding to the castration in the North. Mm-hmm. And those those things needed two different responses. Right. And it's, a, you know, I, I think that reading him, too, is just kind of like stripped me of certain like romantic notions about the country in a way that doesn't that isn't depressing. But it's like, you know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's informative. Uh, a history of uh, the money in banking in the United States by Murray Rothbard is an mm-hmm. insanely illuminating book on uh, just the nature of how most of the policy decisions, not, not so much foreign policy, but like just the, the common conventional wisdom that we refer to with economics, um, how wrong a lot of it has been throughout history, just based on like people just not looking at the data. Pro- like just, just read it. Just read Rothbard. It's a... He was an outspoken. I mean, he followed the libertarian side of things. It seems like you know he was called a libertarian or an anarcho-capitalist. And look, I'm not an advocate for anarcho-capitalism, but you know his analysis of much the same way Chomsky. I don't what Chomsky wants. I don't want yeah you know, his his vision of a socialist uh, anarcho-socialist world. I don't want. But Chomsky's analysis is un, you know undisputable really to me. And the same thing with Rothbard. It's like you know not, there's there's two different skills. You know you have to agree with someone's politics to. to you know, agree with their assessment of a. I mean, even yeah. Marx is pretty good at analyzing capitalism to a certain extent. Can I channel Matt Damon for a second <laughs> yes. and and say the only book you need to read is Howard Zinn's A People's oh, God, History of, of the United States? <laughs> <laughs> Gordon Wood. 
<laughs> yeah, that was actually a classic. And just kind of just really quickly speak on the point about James Baldwin. So interestingly, yeah. interestingly enough, so before like, you know, kind of clinical psychology became, I guess, pop or mainstream, James, yeah. Baldwin, James Baldwin had a really good conception of sort of the psychological conception of racism. So for mm. him, he understood this as this othering process where you only saw the other person or you saw this sort of outsider as the other person because you needed somebody to imbue with that shadow concept of yourself. Well, yeah. Yeah. All of those shadow parts of yourself right in order to be what because he said look at it like this right he said why is it that like you know certain people are called white people and then others are called black people right what is white associated with right what is the connotation purity right so in order to maintain that purity they need a black right so in order for white to be pure you need black and what would you sort of imbue that concept of blackness with right obviously all of those disgusting dirty sort of savage like qualities that the pure white person doesn't have so sure. therefore the outsider you know the sort of shadow itself can be sort of obviously projected and then it could be fought outwardly to say that this is the problem this is why society is bad we need to sort of get rid of not the sort of um not the wretchedness of our internal kind of state, but really the wretchedness of our external community, right? That's the issue that makes everything so difficult and so intolerable. Plus, yeah, totally. Plus, they didn't have guns back then, so they're evil, you know, it was easier to enslave them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, press that. Sure. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other thing is good, you know, sport too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, he actually, yeah, he was great at that. I mean, he was great at just, like, really treating it like like diagnosing it almost like yeah. like treat it, treating it as a pathology more than as something that has and there's nothing wrong with writing about it in this way too which a lot of american authors have it's like a lot of american authors will talk about it in a way that is you know it, it's it's more about you know how it affected them and their their self-perception and self-esteem and with james baldwin it always seemed like there there was something like very like a just very clinical almost about like yeah. his diagnosis of it. It was more like, you know, he was diagnosing a pathology than anything, you know? Yeah. Really. Uh, it was like a sickness, a sickness of the cultural soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I love Baldwin too. And I'm just obviously Alan, what are your favorite books? My favorite books, you know, uh, <laughs> listen, I talk about every podcast. Power. Perks of being a wallflower. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of them. Uh, no, but like, yeah, like Power of Now, I liked, um, uh, that one's more of like a kind of new agey spiritual kind of book, but I like the practical stuff <clears throat> in there. They talk about like ego, uh, how your mind works, stuff like that, how to get like present to the moment, uh, how like we tend to react and like kind of catch yourself in a reaction, kind of be able to like slow down and uh, not necessarily like go with your impulses. I mean, Ray, you were talking about it actually uh, earlier. Um, how people have like this ego and say this point that this thing that they were thinking maybe for five years or 10 years or something like that, they'd be married to this point. And right. if they hear something contrary, they might not like go with it. They'll fight to the death for their belief. But it's like this book kind of helped me to think in a different way. Like if I heard something contrary to what I knew, maybe I try to figure out like, why does this person think like this? Like, and then like stop and not necessarily jump at everything. Like try to figure out, like for real like why do you have these points and then maybe I tell them why do I have the points I have and then maybe eventually we kind of come to some kind of understanding where maybe we could either combine it or maybe I figure out I was completely wrong or they completely they find out they were completely wrong or whatever. maybe you maybe you fuck <laughs> exactly. I think that's always the end goal no? right right no that's, that's a good debate that's like how a good debate ends I would love to just have like you know a, a nice vigorous debate that ends with like a sweaty limp dick gangbang <laughs> 
<laughs> for country. Yeah, for country. Just everyone's yeah. waving their flats at small cops. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Come like just that dribble, that weird come dribble come that comes out when you're not hard. It's every, every, <laughs> that's just everywhere. A bunch of unsatisfied women. Smells like shit. So you know, before you guys came on, like a little bit earlier today, I was listening to a podcast with uh, it was Rogan and uh, Miss Pat. Cool. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. wonderful. She's so funny. Yeah, and she was talking about like her past and like traumatic stuff, you know? But then like he's like he's like, Oh, if you could have ever done any of these things any different way, would you have or anything like that? Because they made you who you are. She's like, No. And actually like when she talks about um stuff that happened to her and she makes it like you know, like comedy out of it, she said like for her it makes um something that she couldn't control before, like now it's under her control because now you can laugh about it and it like changes her like experience to it. I don't know like if that, you know, if you guys have any thoughts on that, but like, like, do you feel like comedy? Um, Ray has a great does, joke about stealing a baby that I think is very cathartic for him to tell. Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't think I would do that, but uh, <laughs> it's always in the back of my head. And, uh, no, it's like, it's just, yeah, look. Owning who you are. I mean, like, it's one of the earlier things you kind of like start doing, like oh, owning. I mean, it comes hack almost sometimes. It was like, hey, I'm the guy who looks like this and this and that. And it's like, but yeah, you kind of in the as you get better, you kind of own who you are and you kind of recontextualize yourself. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's a way of kind of building, taking what you are and like you know picking the parts that work. Yeah, building it, up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because it's like I think everyone has a moment. Everyone who's like trying on some level to be honest on stage, I think, gets to a point early on where it's like they're being like they're, maybe they're even being overly confessional. It's right. like for me, I know I had to cross the line of like, okay, now I'm being a little overly confessional on stage, and it's it's not allowing for like, uh, you know. A, it's not allowing for anybody to have fun. Right. So it's like, yeah. now, I, now I have to pull it back. And it's like, you kind of learn what the balance is for you because it's like, you know, uh, you, yeah, you don't want to, I, I don't get what the point of doing this is if you don't want to be a little bit honest about yourself and like own yourself on some level. And, but I also, you know. But also women be shopping. <laughs> for real women, women be shopping. Be shopping. <laughs> so true. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then it's like you see people. I I do sometimes think people also go too far with this, like using it as therapy thing. It's like you do have a responsibility to make people happy at the end of the day. Right, if you're gonna yeah. be up there. Well, that's <laughs> it's the idea. Like, it's like yeah. it's like taking your pain, um, and like synthesizing it into something. It requires that people lose sight of that. Yeah, it's not just just like. It's not just a cathartic, like, you're just taking a shit on the audience's face. It's like, <laughs> it's taking this and building something real out of it. Building, building a beautiful shit statue for them exactly. to enjoy. Yeah. And, uh, a a dama shit statue. What do they yeah. call those things? A damagu or a dama... <laughs> dama I forget. It's yeah. from the... Uh, whatever. Building them a shit Christ. A, yeah, shit Christ. But I, oh, remember shit Christ? He was yeah. great. It was piss Christ. Or, oh, it was piss Christ? It was shit Mary, I think. <laughs> shit. It was a shit Mary. It was. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, this, the 90s are great. Yeah. People are just having fun. <laughs> is that going to show up in the, like, when they, when the ni- when Stranger Things is over and they finally go retro 90s? <laughs> is, like, is piss Christ going to be like part of that? <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I hope. Do you guys too. remember Piss Christ? No, what is that? It was this controversy that happened in New York in the, in the like late 90s mm. where like uh, 
some guy who had like I think it was a city grant for like, to do art or whatever, and like he made like a, a Christ out of piss. Mm-hmm. He pissed on a canvas and made uh, made Christ. And oh, you know, he used grant money for that. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> I believe so. And uh, yeah, like Giuliani was all like, "This is disgusting" and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And like you know, no one cares. You know, kids just getting literally kids just have like, a bishop's cock in their ass. And no one cares. <laughs> you know, the Pope is just fucking fingering some twelve year old. But like, this piss Christ is terrible. And like, you know, it was a simpler time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I thought you guys were talking about the Larry David episode. Uh, I forgot what that show is called. Uh, Carbion Enthusiasm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And, like, yeah, he was taking a piss in the bathroom, and then I think, a, like, a, a little bit of it got onto the Christ picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, I remember that. Yeah, that's... A, 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 well, it's, probably, it's probably based on that, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Wow, yeah. Holy shit. Uh, all right, guys. We are... Well... Yeah, we're like pretty much ready to wrap this right. up. Man. We should do a little clap for them, Lucy. Here, hold the mic. Clap. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a clap for you guys. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just... if you, that's We'll show you some of the, your fans at home, just some of the technical magic that happens. It's behind the scenes. Yeah. Behind the scenes, how you edit. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, yeah, we probably should have done that at the very end. But you end. can't because the Skype... Fucking, we're going to turn the Skype off, and then, the, and then you can't... It turns well, the thing we'll off. do it before we turn the Skype off. Yeah, but I don't know. We're going to say goodbye. I don't know. I, I wanted to get it in before they just kind of bounce. And we're like, oh, now we can And they call us up an hour from now. And like, we don't know how to sync it up. Can you do it? And like, what? And like, and we start hating them. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> Actually, I was wondering, like, where, if we wanted to follow you guys, like, uh, where could we follow you? Well, Lucy, you first. Oh, well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Steinbag, S T E. I am bag. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how do you spell bag? Uh, uh, and you can follow me at I'm at Ray Kump on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, of course, listen to our love is disgusting. But I also have my own solo podcast called Kump, which you can also check out. Uh, it's a lot of rambling and chaos, but you know, whatever. Yeah, and you can um, uh, check me out eating trash behind our apartment with me. <laughs> With, yeah, with Ray. Do we want to go alone time? Yeah, <laughs> can I actually, can I have some space? Uh, eat your box while you eat trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, are uh, you guys on, like, uh, YouTube, or is it, like, uh, iTunes? And- yeah, wherever you get, you, again, with a podcast, it's wherever podcasts <laughs> hey, are. Hey, man. <laughs> people, Listen, people, we were only once on YouTube, just YouTube. People know how to find podcasts. You know, I'm, I'm only on a, a, a RSS caster. It's a, it's an a, a Android, but it doesn't work with a new Android. You have to have an old Android phone. What are we talking about? It's on iTunes, it's on everywhere. Go find us. We have our own frequency at Radio Free Brooklyn. Get the ham radio and figure it out. Do you guys come on before or after Bill Cooper's The Hour of Our Time? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do a crossover episode with him soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having us. All right, guys. guys. Thank you. We'll see you Thanks. guys soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. See ya. And you can follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can follow us at Seize underscore podcast. And don't forget to click subscribe and the little bell yeah, to get notifications. Bell. Mm-hmm. And see you guys next time. See ya.